everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube show based on a podcast. Uh, this is episode five, six, something like that. Something like that. And if we sound different, it's because we're recording on new to us microphones. <laughs> um, we're recording on handheld microphones, so any audio issues you hear, we're still working on them. Uh, the interface and stuff is new to us and kind of old, actually, so... Um, we're trying at least this episode on it, and if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the Yeti, but it's worth a shot, I think. I like the sound of them. So, this is our lead-up to Star Wars, Episode 8, The Last Jedi. I couldn't remember the subtitle for a second. <laughs> um, this is actually the first of three episodes you'll be getting regarding Star Wars. Um, basically, we're going to be revisiting the disney star wars movies over the next two weeks so you're gonna get a bonus episode and you're gonna get three episodes in a row um and this week we're gonna be talking about the force awakens and next week we're gonna be talking about rogue one and then the week after that we'll be talking about episode eight. Oh, i didn't introduce myself i'm mj smith and i'm michael morey and yeah so we're gonna talk about star wars i think before we get into the movie proper which is Something we both have a lot of thoughts on. <laughs> a lot. This is going to be the most theoretical, how to write a story, how to do anything good um, podcast because we have a lot of thoughts on how to do things, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, I think we should take a minute to sort of establish our star wars bona fides sure so mike what's your earliest memory of star wars yeah i'm not even sure if i can remember when like i really started watching them i think i saw my cousin joseph joseph you're listening to this here's a shout out to you watching it and i was completely baffled by what i was seeing but i knew it was freaking sweet and i think that's probably when i was I don't know, five or six or something like that. I can't even tell you if I watched them in order. I kind of have like a vague memory that I think I saw Return of the Jedi first. I was going to so. ask which one you saw first. <laughs> so um, I'm not even sure if the twist uh, of Darth Vader being Luke's father had any impact on me because I'm pretty sure I saw them out of order. Um, but they've been a big pop culture part of my life sense i don't know as far back as i can remember like as long as i have a memory i remember liking star wars basically um and it's probably my favorite movie series it's probably like my favorite multimedia thing really out there so um it, it means a lot to me and i mean i have different opinions than some people on some of the most people yes on some of the other movies that people dislike and uh, include and some of the ones that people do like, which we'll get into. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I come from. Um, mine is the special editions re-release. So my first experience with Star Wars was in a movie theater. Oh, that's cool. Which is sweet. Yeah. Um, I was kind of the late comer to them. My parents weren't super into them. None of my extended family was super into them. So. I knew Star Wars from the TV spots for the re-release, and I remember thinking, that looks freaking cool. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> um, and my brother actually likes Star Wars, but not enough to own them. So my brother is actually the one who took me to see 
New Hope Mm -hmm. in theaters in 1997 for the 20th anniversary. And it was the special edition with Han shot first and the added Jabba scene and like all the stuff people kind of crap on nowadays. But it didn't matter to like my nine-year-old brain. My nine-year-old brain was like, what is this? (laughs) What is happening in front of me? And I remember it's also my earliest memory of the sort of consciously recognizing the ebb and flow of pacing which we just watched episode four this last weekend yeah holy moly that movie feels like it's three hours long in the best way possible yeah there's a lot in that movie so much crap happens in that movie and i remember because i was nine there's not a lull it's all really important there's not an ounce of fat on the movie but because i was nine and all i liked was the space stuff Mm -hmm. the section of them getting to the rebel base especially after you know the the them shooting the tie fighters after they escaped the death star yeah i got really bored Mm. and i like tried to take a nap in the theater like i curled up like i was gonna fall asleep and Mm -hmm. then right after that it picked back up and the assault on the death star begins and it's one of the best action sequences ever committed to film and i remember being like oh like not consciously like looking back on it i i think on a subconscious level my brain knew that the lull was there so that it's not just bombarding us Mm -hmm. with action set piece after action set piece and so i remember still really loving the movie even though I almost fell asleep out of quote boredom. Right. Uh, but now like obviously looking back on it, that se- sequence is, or that, that section is so important to the lead up to the end of the, the movie. Um, so that was my first experience with star Wars. My, you know, I saw the other two, we went to see the other two and he took me to see Phantom Menace and he took me to see attack of the clones and we didn't see Re- revenge of the Sith together. I saw that with my best friend in high school and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, star Wars is just one of those things, you know, like it's, it's hard to find something new to say about star Wars. Yeah. I, I mean, the best way I can put it is it really is like a generational thing now. Yeah. Cause my parents shared it with me. Um, my brother and I grew up with it. We both loved it. You know, I think I like it a little bit more than he does. But um, it's something that I go to every single premiere with my family. Mm. And that's not something that they give a crap about for anything else, <laughs> you know. So that means that they that they really like love it, you know. Um, and it's something that crosses generational gaps. Uh, everybody has like some sort of story about it who's experienced it and everyone shares it with each other. And I think that's really meaningful. Um, And that's part of the reason why I hold it close to me for a multitude, there's a multitude of other reasons too, but it's one of the few things I think that like it bridges the gap between people who have very different interests. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, there are people who talk about how star Wars is like our modern mythology and like, Usually I make an obscene hand gesture and, you know, fart noise when I hear people say that. But it's kind of true with Star Wars. Yeah. Like it's there's something about it. Like there's some staying power behind that. Mm -hmm. And like when even when we were watching New Hope this weekend, I was just like, one guy did this. Like one guy thought of this. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's the craziest. I can't believe that. And I mean, really, like 
when you get down to brass tacks and like the essential elements of it, he's just kind of doing the hero's journey, knights right. of the round tables thing, but he just, he's drawing on so many sources that have done that in the past and sort of like blending making, it. Yeah, making this stew out of it in a, in a genre that no one had ever tried that before. Yeah. On a serious level. Um, yeah. you know, like there's not a lot of camp to Star Wars. Even like even and it, and it doesn't really feel dated. No, it doesn't. It's a weird thing where it doesn't feel like a product of its time the way so many things from like 1977 do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's so many rip-offs of Star Wars that are out there that came out around that time period that are instantly dated. Yeah. You know, it's cuz it's either their soundtrack is terrible, like they have this techno synth crap that yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. sound good. Like John Williams infused those movies with a lot of soul that gave it credibility. Uh, they don't have as great actors in involved in it that add credibility to it. It's just something got mixed together right with those original three movies that has sustained power and has not aged as poorly as a lot of other things from back then. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's almost like the Beatles, right? Like, it's the Beatles are like a once-in-an-existence type of thing. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars is the same thing. And it's one of those things where... Like, I don't believe people when they say they don't like Star Wars. Like, I don't believe people when they say they don't like the Beatles or that the Beatles are overrated. Because much like the Beatles, if you've liked a song past 1967, uh, you like the Beatles in some fashion. Like, in some amalgamation, you like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. If you've ever liked a blockbuster movie post-1977, in some form, you like Star Wars. Right. You know, there's it may not be that version of Star Wars that you like, but there's some version of Star Wars that you like. Yeah. Um, and there there I mean, those are the only two things I can really think of like that. Shakespeare, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's that's how far back I have to go without getting into, you know, major world religions mm-hmm. um, to think of another example in the cultural zeitgeist that is stuck around for so long. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. So last question before we hop into this, uh, this conversation about, um, episode seven, did you ever get into the extended universe stuff? Uh, I mean, I've read a couple of the books. I read a couple of like the Timothy Zahn books, which were really good. Um, and maybe a couple other things here and there. I obviously played a decent number of the video games and that sort of stuff that took place in the extended universe. I did not read a lot of the sequel saga books, oh. like the ones that went on like eight books yeah. or whatever, um, like New Jedi Order, all that stuff. I didn't do um, that stuff, but I am aware of what happens in all of them. So um, I was a little bit invested in that stuff, okay. which is why it was too bad when all that stuff basically got ripped away when yeah. it got sold out to Disney and they like basically just destroyed all of everything besides the movies and Clone Wars and I guess Rebels now. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get too into the extended stuff. Um, there was one series that I really, really liked, though, and I had all the books, and I think it was like seven or eight books, and it was Galaxy of Fear. Oh, interesting. I don't know if you've heard of those. No. They were like Goosebumps Star Wars. Oh, that's actually a really cool idea. Yeah, it was just like kids' horror fiction set in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and it was sweet. Yeah. And I remember there was some Star Wars horror book that came out that had, I don't remember the name of it, but it had like, 
kind of like a meat hook with like a bloody stormtrooper helmet. Oh, on it. I know which one you're talking about. So yeah. That was like the first one of the like that was the first one marketed towards adults, and it wasn't marketed as Galaxy of Fear. It was marketed as like just one of the extended universe books, and they were like, it's a horror movie or it's a horror novel in the Isn't like Death Troopers or something. Something like, like that. that. Yeah. And they were like, it's a horror genre in the Star Wars thing. It's the first one. And I was like, I read all those Galaxy of Fear books. Like mm-hmm. they were sweet. Um, and we'll save our prequel talk for next week's episode since we will be talking technically about a prequel. Sure. Um, but I think we're both on record as liking all three of them. Yes. Um, I know that's that's yep. the sound of a million clicks closing their browsers. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Two owns bones, and I will fight you. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. So. As we're prepping for this new episode of the Star Wars saga, you know, Ryan Johnson's come in. Ryan Johnson is this indie director, hardcore indie director that's come into this franchise. This is his first major like franchise movie, and he's mm-hmm. held out a lot longer than most of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he did Brick, which is like a noir high school thing. And then he did Brothers Bloom, which is like just like a twee version of oceans 11 kind of mm-hmm. and then he did looper which is a little bit bigger budget yeah you know but it's still this original sci-fi thing that he did i like all three of those movies i have only seen parts of brick and i saw looper all the way through okay brothers bloom is my favorite oh okay that's the one I, that probably interests me the most that i probably should watch it's real good mark um, ruffalo and adrian brody are really good in it, and mm-hmm. so is rachel vice oh, okay um or rachel mcadams i think it's rachel vice it's one of the Rachels. It's one of the Rachels. Um, I don't think it's Rachel McAdams because there's no time travel in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so so that's like the pedigree that's heading out the second installment. And oh, it's well, kind of weird. Plus, plus, he also did uh, some episodes in Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. He did the best episode of Breaking Bad and one of the best episodes of television ever made. Right. The Fly. <laughs> he did he did the worst yeah. and the best episode actually i really like the fly episode do you really i do i i, I oh, really man. like dig a good bottle episode okay every now and then. for the audience a bottle episode is where they kind of take place like in one location or yeah. they kind of reduce the budget but it wasn't that it was more like a psychological examination of walter white of course the episode that mj's really talking about is the penultimate episode yes um which is boss of breaking bad um, that is the best episode, hands down, in television, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, I'm, man. Yeah. I was so. <laughs> I was depressed for three days after that episode. Yeah, that episode <laughs> kind of left an impression on me. Yeah, yeah, man. More than any other episode of television was, I've ever seen. It was very emotionally exhausting. Yeah, it was. Um, so that's the pedigree that's going into it. The dude's got chops. I think he's got um, chops. I agree. You know, and I, I like him taking over this um and he's taking it over from jj abrams which is really interesting it's gonna be a really interesting transition into and out of (laughs) a ryan johnson uh movie that's kind of sandwiched between two jj abrams movies Mm -hmm. and apparently (laughs) like i assume they get along i watched a facebook thing with ryan johnson where he talked about how he was watching the dailies from episode seven Mm -hmm. and taking notes on where the story was going and the characters and like what he needed to do from then on, which one I really like. 
Uh, and two, man, I just like based off of what episode seven is and the trailers for episode eight, I don't know how he got to where he got. Neither. Um, and and now, you know, Colin Trevorrow was originally going to do nine and he got fired. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they brought JJ in to finish out the trilogy and bring it in for a landing, which is understandable, if not disappointing. And um, yeah, with that, <laughs> we revisited The Force Awakens. Now, how many times have you seen The Force Awakens? Um, Counting this last time. Five. Okay, this was my third time all the way through, but I've been near it two other times. So I saw it twice in theaters, and then it was uh, at two parties that I've been to mm-hmm. where I saw where chunks of it happened near me. And then I watched the whole thing in preparation for this episode. So I haven't seen it in earnest since theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> where where do you want to begin? Mike? Oh, God. <sighs> okay. I'm just going to lay this down right now. I do not like this movie. No. Um, I know that that is going to make some people angry. I'm going to try the best I can to explain why. Do you mind if I just like go for yeah, like a couple minutes? Yeah, that's fine. Go for okay. it. I'm going to turn my mic off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is a disappointment. It's the definition of like almost running in place. It's or if not that, it's like pass just trying to go and finish the marathon and pass the baton to somebody else to figure out what the hell they should do with it. <laughs> <laughs> because you've got basically a nothing story in this movie. It's the definition of like a shareholder obligation. Hey, we bought Star Wars for four billion dollars. The shareholders want us to go and make good on, the, on this event investment. In a couple of years, you have three years to make this movie go. And everywhere you can go and see the rush and the pressure to go and make a movie that will go and satisfy people who are disappointed with the prequels, but is ultimately unfulfilling. And I'll go and break it down for three ways it's unfulfilling. First, I think that it's a giant waste of like the post-episode six time frame setup. I think post-episode six, you have... Luke returning the Jedi. He's going to go and teach like what he's learned. Okay, We've got the Empire, maybe not completely fallen, but it's in tatters now that the Emperor's dead. You have Vader redeemed. You have Han and Leia together. Okay, This movie goes and undoes all of that. And it's almost insulting to me. It's like telling the audience that, hey, you cared about these characters. You cared about their accomplishments. None of those matter. Because you have, oh, well, the Empire's back, kind of. They're a different name. Um, and they somehow have this ridiculous amount of resources. Um, they, the, you know, the, uh, the Jedi aren't back. They actually got wiped out all over again. Um, Luke's in hiding. He's the last Jedi. Um, by the way, uh, this, there's this new Darth Vader wannabe who betrayed the Jedi. Um, Han and Leia aren't together anymore. Han's gone back to his old ways. And everything, everybody's miserable, and the same battle is being fought all over again. That is a giant waste of like the concept of what a post episode six movie could be. Um, so that really bothers me. I think it's, it's, it makes you feel like, why am I even watching these movies if I'm just going to watch the repetitive cycle? 
I think the plot itself to this movie, I, I mean, there's all these jokes about it being a ripoff of A New Hope. It, that is bad, but <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, and it's been well documented. We don't need to get into that. I think it's just an extremely lazy movie, just from a narrative standpoint. I think you have a very interesting first act of the movie that, uh, and then the movie steadily gets worse from there, from basically the moment that Han Solo walks into the scene. Uh, and then we can get into that more. But um, basically, it it just becomes a series of no moments where you can breathe, and it's just run, 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 run. We gotta run away from the bad guys. Run away from the bad guys. And the moment they're like they're about to go and talk about something important, like, hey, what happened a long time ago? Bad guys come. Bad guys with guns come in, and it's like run, 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 run. And to me, that is super narratively unsatisfying, and it's very repetitive. Like the structure of the movie is actually freaking boring because it just goes and re- like resorts to that time and time again. So I think it's a boring movie from that standpoint. Also, lastly. I think the characters in the movie, while well cast, I'm going to grant that. Like, I think Daisy Ridley is an incredible find. Um, John Boyega, awesome dude. Like, there's so many people who are well cast. Adam Driver, I think, is cool. I think the characters make no effing sense. <laughs> no effing sense. You have John Boyega, who, like, he goes and defects from the stormtroopers and the First Order because he didn't like seeing his friend killed by Poe. Then go and join Poe to go and then shoot up all of his friends after he was not cool with killing people like five minutes ago. And he was apparently like a child soldier, but he like gets like freaked out on his first combat mission. But they'd never seen any signs of that before. But he never goes and acts like he's like somebody who has any sort of problems. Like, or he never acts like he's somebody who's actually been brainwashed forever in his life. Yeah. Like, you know, like it makes no sense to me how like his character acts. Not like you would think a child soldier acts. Yeah. So There's he, no PTSD in no, this character at no. all. Like, and he should have all of the PTSD. And he's cracking jokes and all that kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, yeah, you have a boyfriend, you have a cute boyfriend, and all that stuff to like to Ray. And that to me is like, who is this dude? Is he a child soldier or not? And then Ray who there's like a lot of commentary about her being a Mary Sue. Which I disagree with and we'll get I, into. Uh, I'm like a little fifty fifty on it, but my bigger problem with her is beyond the Mary Sue and the Mary Sue is like an aspect where you kind of have the characters like overpowered and all this stuff. My bigger problem with her is that she's a mystery box character. Yeah. And the mystery box is something that JJ Abrams coined where it's basically like people, it's a, his narrative device of like there's a mystery and people trying to figure out and like that drives the plot is like, what's the mystery? And Ray is the, is the mystery box. If it was char- a, a character, like, that's not, like, a character. That's, like, a plot. Um, and to me, you don't, you, underst- you don't understand her background because mm-hmm. it's all hidden still. You understand why she has these powers because it's all hidden still. You don't really understand what drives her because it's all hidden still. And to me, I can't relate with the character that, like, I'm being kept arm's length away from because I can't understand her yet. That bothers me. And then lastly, I hear some people go and say that, like, Kylo Ren's really interesting and cool and stuff like that. I think his character makes no sense. I think the psychology of his character is BS. It's like, essentially, they went and made this guy. It's like, what happens if we made a guy who was fundamentally bad, but he's fighting like he's fighting the call to the light side? Because that makes him different than like a guy who was fundamentally good, but fighting a call to the dark side. Right. But like, okay, most people generally feel like we're like good people, and uh, 
and we're we're actually being tempted by bad things. That's like an under, under understandable psychological like pinning to go and have like a character right. be based on. You know, you have Luke fighting his dark side impulses or whatever. Right. I don't know. I don't know like a lot of people who are like fundamentally bad people who are like fighting like a temptation to be good. Like mm-hmm. that's not like something that's like a psychologically like understandable point of view to take. And so to me, I don't understand what his beef is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't. And it's hard for me to go and get into him as a character because I don't understand what's driving him. Like, why does he think the first order is cool? Why is he with Snoke? Why did he betray the Jedi? All you're left with in this movie repetitively are just more questions. And to me, it amounts to a very unsatisfying film is that it's a movie that basically punts on every question it asks. And you get to the end of the movie where you have Luke like trying looking at a lightsaber and you don't even know what he's thinking. Like, cause like, it's just like, well, it's some other guy's problem to go and figure out. And that's why I feel like this movie is just a giant kicking the can down the road. And that's not a good way to tell a story to me. Yeah. So that's my, my rant. No, I mean, I agree with most of your points. Um, as I was watching this movie, I had a few thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll summarize the big two, and then I actually took notes while I was watching it, and so we'll get into the granular stuff. Mm-hmm. The two big things I I really pinned down that I don't like about the movie. I don't like the movie either, by the way. Um, it's the world's first ambient blockbuster <laughs> okay good explain um that movie is better as as it happens around you than it does while you're watching it because it's mm. really boring mm-hmm. and it's not even like there's moments where you don't want to not do other things and pay attention <laughs> to the movie you just kind of want it to be around you mm-hmm. um and the reason why is because it's got all this Star Wars iconography in it. And yeah. it's familiar. And that feels like Star Wars. So one of the times I watched this was at a birthday party through a sliding glass window that was closed. And it was much more enjoyable to me because it looks like Star Wars technically. Yeah. But then, like, nothing happens in the movie, and so (laughs) you're just like, okay, why am I spending time watching this, like, actually sitting down and paying attention to it? Mm -hmm. Um, The other time it happened near me was at a New Year's Eve party while we played a board game, and it was fine. Uh, As a matter of fact, I believe we have plans to play a board game this weekend (laughs) while it happens near us. Yeah. And um, it's just such a... it's, It's... it's like a shiny version of Justice League, kind of. Like, it's still a nothing movie. Yeah. I was, just, I was about to use that same terminology for it. Yeah, it's such a nothing movie, man. And, like, there are quote-unquote important things that happen, but, mm-hmm. like, not really. What, like, what is the movie about? You know what I mean? Like, is there some sort of theme to the movie? I can't think of any. It's just, like, about, gee, isn't Star Wars great? Aren't you happy it's back? Yeah. You know, and that worked, I think, for some people. Sure. But it wasn't about anything. Yeah. My second problem with the movie is actually an extrapolation of that mystery box thing. This whole movie is the mystery box thing. And I, I so full disclosure, I've defended that mystery box thing in the past when JG's doing his own material mm-hmm. because that's fine. It's his own material. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I still consider Lost to be a show that I really liked up through the end. I like the end of that show. 
Um, I like the questions it leaves you with. Um, I'm not against ambiguity, and I think he's one of the few people who does it, uh, well, <laughs> like, on the better side of fine. Um, you know, I think Nolan did it better in Inception. I think that's my favorite ambiguous ending mm-hmm. thing. Um, and more often than not, for me personally, I know you don't feel this way. More often, more often than not, he's threaded the needle on that thing. Super Eight is my favorite Abrams movie. I really enjoy it. Um, granted, Stranger Things has now blown that out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think for a period of time where that kind of thing wasn't the norm and wasn't existing. I really enjoyed that. We had a really good time with that movie and mm-hmm. there's some mystery box stuff in there, but I'm fine with it. Cause it's this sort of contained original story. It doesn't have to have a lot of answers and it doesn't seem like he was really trying to set up a franchise with it. Like he just seems like he wanted to tell that story and he did. And I like that part of it. Now, the problem is, when you introduce that into Star Wars, it does not work at all because Star Wars has sustained itself on fans knowing everything about Star Wars. Yeah. So when you go and you set up like, who is Ray? Who are Ray's parents? How did Maz Kanata get the um, <laughs> the lightsaber? Well, that's Which, a story for another time. Oh, man. that's the worst. I forgot that happened, and I was like so mad that, that's like insulting from yeah a writing standpoint. it's a slap in the face like yeah. i felt assaulted i was like i'm calling the police yeah um and so when you go and you know kick the can down the road like you said it doesn't make for good star wars no it doesn't because star wars is really straightforward like like like, they made a whole trilogy based on something you knew was already going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, <laughs> the prequels are like, they only have one end for it. Mm-hmm. It can only end one way. But, you know, in the process, they did, like, a lot of world building right. to that. Right. This movie's world building is non-existent. Yeah. It's, like, it's like flat-out terrible. <laughs> like, uh, okay, go on. So... <laughs> So when you do this mystery box thing that J.J. does in Star Wars, it just doesn't like it doesn't feel like Star Wars when you're paying attention. It just looks like Star Wars when you're watching it on mute. Yeah. And so it's like like I get really uppity about this. Like when people say that's not this like there were like when Lego Batman was coming out, people were like, that's not Batman. And I was like, it's about Batman. and That's Batman. This isn't Star Wars, really. No. It's, and it's like kind of fan fiction star wars but also yeah like not that either yeah it's weird it's like aesthetically star wars yeah but everything like below the surface isn't yeah Uh, and it like kind of doesn't feel like a jj abrams movie either outside of the mystery box thing but he's done that mystery box thing a lot better in the past so Mm -hmm. i don't know what happened i'll tell you what happened the budget or not the budget the timeline that they were under yeah. That's what like dictated most of this movie, and yeah. and it shows like a lot of the rushed ideas they have come from. Uh, you see in the art book, for example, behind mm-hmm. for Force Awakens, like they had all these cool ideas that were thrown out there during the early script process, and then like the moment JJ comes on board, like two years before it's supposed to be due, it starts getting real like less interesting, <laughs> like way less interesting in the art direction and everything like that because they're just sticking to what they know and trying to please people and. George Lucas said it best. It's like a movie. When he, after he saw it, he like damned it with like the faintest praise, which was like, "Well, the fans will love it." And to me, that like yeah. sums up what it was. Yeah. Okay. So, 
um, we're we're gonna address actually um, Mark Hamill's hatred of this movie in a second. Yeah. But uh, in in a long second, by the way. Um. So before we get into my super granular notes, and I apologize, it does kind of hedge towards some cinema sins territory <laughs> i got a little too nitpicky with it and i will admit that uh-huh. um but before you do that say something nice what do you like about the force awakens okay um i think the casting was really good mm-hmm. i think that the, the the new people that they brought on board are all very talented very passionate people and i'm happy that they're associated with star wars um i will say that i liked a couple of like the like the lightsaber fight at the end, I think was cool. Um, the very opening with Ray, I think is fantastic. I think it's a great bit of characterization to show how lonely she is on this desert planet and how she longs for something or a family. Um, and I like how they set her up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I, <laughs> mine are kind of the same. Um, I like Ray. That opening stuff is really good on Jakku. Um, you know, the the shot of the crash star destroyer is really evocative and cool. Yes. Like that's there's a, there's a couple good shots in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Although Ray's, I want to talk more about the cinematography because I think it's overall pretty garbage. Yeah, but... it's and it's edited real weird. I noticed some yes. weird edits in this while I watched mm-hmm. it. Um, I think. Uh, the the scene where Ray is cleaning like the part that she's scavenged and she's looking at an old woman doing the same thing is really really good mm-hmm. storytelling really good storytelling I like BB-8 he's great yeah he's he's, he's a great prop mm-hmm. and like just really cool like it's it's always amazing when you watch BB-8 to me like it feels like science fiction to me when I see him on screen yeah like, I agree being real for the most part you know they only CGI to my handful of times throughout the movie and it it works it goes yeah it looks really good yeah um the his thumbs up is like a really solid joke yeah it's I a re- good mo- i yeah. like that joke it's a good moment um the the lightsaber fight at the end is actually really good because it's not that good at all right I it's like not very flashy it's so sloppy yeah but it's so good in it's sloppiness because these are two sloppy people right you know they're not perfectly trained in the ways of lightsaber combat combat mm-hmm. because they've not been trained by anyone mm-hmm. and like i like what i like about kylo is that he's just like crappy version of what he's trying to be right i get that but the problem is to me that i, I understand the whole thesis of his character which is he's like a vader fanboy who can never be vader right but then you kind of need to have like an antagonist who actually is threatening, like because sure. uh, I mean I guess the argument is like well because he's so unhinged right. that makes him threatening still. Right. But the movie like does this thing where they undercut him and like and subvert his coolness up mm-hmm. until then by showing his face and kind of showing he's like a normal ass person. Yeah. But then. Like it feels like to me, a lot of the threat and menace like dissipates the moment that happens in the movie. Like I don't think they played it right. Okay, I get that. I, it it sort of works for me. I like that a little more than you do. Yeah. Not by much, but I like that a little more than you do. Um, but I like that his lightsaber is crappy. Yeah, you know? no, like, I do like that. Yeah, and, like his design's cool. Yeah, the design's cool, but it almost like 
it almost gives the impression that he did it out of function rather than yeah. you know like rather than flash like he couldn't get the blade stabilized correctly mm-hmm. so he had to like put vents in the side <laughs> for the extra energy to go to like i know that's like nerdy like really down the rabbit hole stuff mm. but i like that like yeah, no, that's I, cool i don't know and i think that goes a long way to showing that like oh yeah this is super amateur hour for this guy mm. um i like that luke is not on tatooine oh yeah because Based on how that movie goes, it really feels like it could be. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not. And so points there for like trying something. It's also the only time a new terrain gets introduced. Oh, I know. Thank uh, God. In the in the movie. And it looks cool. Yeah. Like that island looks sweet. Oh, it does, definitely. Um but if I have to see another desert or snow place again, I'm yeah. gonna throttle someone. Yeah, or forest. Or forest. <sighs> yeah. I mean, well, episode eight looks like it has desert in it, but it's got that like red clay. Right. Yeah. It's acceptable. Yeah. There, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So that's the section where we say something nice. Um, I'm going to go through some <laughs> of my notes. I don't I don't have a lot of them. Um, the first. Okay. I hate this opening scene. Yeah. The opening scene is my least favorite thing in Star Wars, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really bothers me. Just like. it's it's so grating to me i think part of it is they made such a big deal out of max von Sydow being in the movie Mm -hmm. and he's got that scene and then he dies yeah that was a waste of a good actor man yeah like i'm i'm almost kind of i'm using this word a lot insulted yeah (laughs) that like they go and cast such a great actor and then they go and have him and my first note just says see this time the droid is taking info to leia Uh, uh, (laughs) uh, and then i follow that up with a question that says how did the first order become dot 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 question mark yeah yeah like the first order makes no sense here's the like the first order is like someone just started killing jews a whole lot again in germany and everyone was like huh yeah and did nothing about (laughs) it yeah like but but don't like, no, don't you get it there's like this resistance that's part of the main government of the the galaxy but and, like literally even that just feels like it just feels <laughs> like people are looking at the first order and going that's weird yeah like, i know <laughs> i know <sighs> like there's no explanation for how they like rose to power no so soon like within 30 years Mm -hmm. like okay once again to go back to because the empire is the space third reich yeah right um that would be like if the third reich happens world war ii happens and then in the 70s world war three happens and Mm -hmm. it's the same thing i don't know man donald trump though Okay, that's uh, <laughs> still, like, what, 90 years I, removed? I, yeah, 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 I know. It's, like, closer to 100, uh, like... Yeah, no, and you're right. And that's the thing. Like, that was an opportunity, I feel like, to go and do something different, which is they should have been, like, a bunch of insurgents. Mm. Uh, you know, like, t- like basically, like... Space ISIS. <laughs> space ISIS. You yeah. Know? Fanatical terrorists. Yeah. And, and they're, like, and they're effing up, like, the main government. And the, and the main story should then be about Okay, how do we maintain the Republic and its ideals without getting corrupted the way the Empire did and trying to fight like right. this evil? But then it becomes 
the problem that people have with the prequels about it's a, becomes the, political the, thrillers. Politics. That are, yeah, that's but, a lot of talking, but that's my favorite stuff in the prequels. Yeah, so. exactly. And to me, like when you go and have six movies that have been building up to something to go and destroy the Republic and then just make the good guys the underdogs again against some big fascist empire mm-hmm. is is a waste. Yep. Like, why did I watch the other original trilogy movies then? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Or, like, at the very least, like, and I don't like this take, but very least do, like, a Vietnam thing where it's, like, maybe, cold... we, maybe we've become the bad guys Right. Now. You yeah. know, something. Something. It's just, like, they, they just choose the least interesting path just so they can go and get back to, like, the New Hope world or, or universal order. You know what I mean? Right. But, the, okay, so this is my next problem and my next note, which is, like, why did they literally choose to use the same iconography as mm-hmm. the Empire? Why? Like, they still have stormtroopers, and they still have TIE fighters, mm-hmm. and they're clearly new stormtrooper outfits right. and new, like, TIE fighter. So they have these vast amount of resources, and they just did the same thing. They're like a crappy cover band of the empire yeah i know well i i mean i can tell you the reason why because money (laughs) but you know that's the thing is that like there's like an in-universe explanation and then there's also like outside isn't yeah and it's crappy it's basically like well these guys are fanatical and they'll worship the empire because reasons like once again we don't understand why like what are they trying to accomplish yeah do you do you know like you don't have this big speech in the middle of the movie? Oh, we gotta destroy the republic! Well, and, okay, uh, but it's like so. That's why? the other thing too. I don't have this written down, but he Hux has that speech later in the movie where he's like, "We have to destroy the new republic," and it's like, okay, so you are not the ruling class right now because right. you look like it. Yeah, like given the amount of soldiers and time and power you have all the universe and there's this insurgents who are trying to take it over who don't like them they went into this thing where it's like well there's a new republic but you won't see them because politics is boring right and they're funding a res- and they're all demilitarized or something and they're funding the resistance which is the only thing that's preventing stopping the first order so they're called the resistance even though the first order hasn't made quite a move yet but it's still kind of making a move but now it's about to go and make a move by shooting the new republic it's like, why would you go and do that? That's yeah. so convoluted. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. My next note says Finn and Poe have great chemistry, and then Poe leaves for the majority of the movie. Yeah. What a waste of Oscar Isaac. Yeah. He's so cool. Like, mm-hmm. he's such a good guy and, like, great actor and mm-hmm. just, like, has really good chemistry with John Boyega yep. and then nothing. Yeah. It's such a killer, man. And his character is nothing. Like he's got yeah. a lot of charisma, mm-hmm. but his character is nothing. I'm fine with that. I, if he the, was we- like the wedge equivalent, yeah, then fine. But like they're trying to promote him as one of the big three, and that's right. like, well, okay. All I can describe as his character arc is he's a good pilot. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I'm. I'd still be fine with that. Right. I just like watching Oscar Isaac on screen. So no. the fact that I didn't get to do it, I yeah, that that's what bums me out. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next note says, we have to blast as many of these cannons as we can. Mm-hmm. Total cannons blasted, two. <laughs> well, this is when they're escaping the First Order yeah. Star Destroyer. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, oh, this one says, this time blasting TIE fighters from the, from the Falcon's gunner turrets happens near the beginning of the movie and on a planet now. Yeah. I actually think that that 
action scene is pretty well done. It's pretty sweet. It's like, like it's the best action scene in, in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, and then like her stalling the Falcon to mm-hmm. like get the 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 gun turret up yeah. is really cool. Yeah. That okay. When you're talking about like, good things about the movie, I think it's like a legitimately great scene. Yeah. Um, I, I think agree. it's the best action scene in the whole movie. I agree. I agree. Also, say something nice. The one quarter portion guy is sweet. Yeah. I yeah. like that guy. Yeah. The Simon Pegg guy. Mm-hmm. Um. My next note just says, why the hell doesn't Anakin's force ghost show up and tell Kylo what happened? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like, dude, no. You like, or like, dude, you know I turned to the good side, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like praying to him. Yeah. Wait, wait, oh, man. Anyway. Well, but once again, it's all just ambiguous crap because he's like, show me the power of the darkness again. Like, yeah. in other words, he's 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 seen it somehow. Yeah. But yeah. like you but you, the audience isn't privy to it. And it sounds like to me like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Like, why couldn't we see that? And then it's like, nah, just no, you don't get right. to see anymore. Right. And it's like the um, it's like the incar- incarnation of that. Patton Oswalt joke about the mm-hmm. prequels. I don't know if you've heard it or uh-uh. not. Where he he talks about how the promise of the prequels. It's it's not a, something I agree with, but he talks about how the promise of the prequels is a lot better than what the prequels are. Yeah, which is where you're like, you want to see Darth Vader before he was Darth Vader, and mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, and then they're like, here he is as a nine year old kid. Yeah. And like, oh, that's not <laughs> how I wanted to see him. Like, yeah um that's this like Mm -hmm. it's just like you want to see a cool like new darth vader and it's like okay yeah Mm -hmm. like a new sith yeah yeah yeah. you want to see him after all the cool stuff has happened to him no (laughs) (laughs) i know it's like we're starting in media res you know with this with this character and and then but like the movie remains in media res (laughs) like does that make sense yeah yeah like like you're starting midway into this journey and it's still midway into the journey by the time it's over. Like that's yeah. actually a terrible usage of me in media res then. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the point is, is that like eventually you go and take that somewhere. And to me, it's like, it goes nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I can see the rebuttal coming to this, which is somebody being like, yeah, well, but, uh, a new hope started in media res. And, like, that's one of the best movies ever. And I'm like, no, F you, because it's not good because of that, okay? Why does your fanboy sound like Kermit Romano? <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> um, so, anyway. <laughs> I don't, the answer is I don't know. But the but the, the real answer to this is, like, okay, that, that, that approach worked for that movie. Mm-hmm. But now we have six or seven or eight now mm-hmm. other movies. And they've built up this world in a, such a particular way. And they left the last one being six chronologically off in a particular way where it deserves some explaining how things got to this yeah. point. Yes. And it's in, and ugh, I'm gonna say the word insulting again. It's insulting that they don't that they don't want to do that. Like yeah. they don't bother to do that. And they just go and punt that question to another movie. Yeah. And this whole movie is a series of like I can see the rebuttal again being like, well, then just wait until the next movie. Like the next movie will answer your your questions. But the next movie has to make up for this movie, right? Like, this movie shortcomings and like continue the story this movie is telling. Exactly. So we're probably not going to get the answer to that, and we probably aren't. And then also, but it's I, also not Ryan Johnson's job to tell us. Yeah, it was J.J. Abrams' job. Exactly, and that to me is 
like you don't make movies like that, bro. Like yeah. I don't want to go in like tell tell generally. I don't like saying like this is how you not make a film, but that's kind of how you don't make a film is yeah. to just make it reliant and dependent on your answer in the next one. Yeah. Like why am I watching this singular film then? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And and to me, you know, that's like a misunderstanding of how you tell a story. Yeah. Uh. So okay. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, my next note says Ray does not want Luke's lightsaber. And runs away when she just got mad at Finn for wanting to run away. Yeah. Like that whole mid act or mid act. It's awful. That that second act is terrible. It's so bad. Starting from when Han walks in to the Raptors. Like all that, that like hijinks scene. uh, (laughs) To low rent Diet Yoda. Maz Kanata with her butthole eyes <laughs> and like her spewing words of wisdom and it's like you know what she hasn't earned any of that wisdom you know what I mean like it's yeah. not like Yoda where you kind of got like tested for a little bit of like who is this weirdo blah blah no, blah well, you know but the cantina scene happens in the middle of the movie this time oh okay yeah. so that's cool that's, that's cool okay yeah. come on. Um, and then you've got like all this forced drama between like Finn running away, like, I, I gotta go now. Yeah. He's like, what? Bye. Why? Bye. And, and I'm like, huh? Okay. And like, why now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys have been pretty good at running away from the First Order until now. So why, like, with each other's company? So why have to do it on your own? But anyway, and then Ray's running away, and then Han's sulking, and it's like, what the? Yeah. Like, it's just forced. Yep. And not in the good way. Um, this one, not yeah. a nitpick. It just says, LOL, C3PO sounds older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. I like that Anthony Daniels is back, but also he's a robot. Like, yeah. why does that robot sound old? <laughs> does it make sense? Um, One thing I did like, and this is something that, uh, so we'll talk about this a lot next week, I think. Mm-hmm. Red Letter Media is this YouTube channel, and they kind of popularized a lot of the hate for the prequels. Mm-hmm. They did a bad job at it. Yes. Um, but they took, they, they posted the, the very, the first video that put them on the map was this hour and a half long takedown of the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And they kept going back to this George Lucas quote where he kept talking about how the stuff in the prequels quote rhymes mm-hmm. with some stuff from the original trilogy that's good storytelling. Yeah. Like, I don't, they were mad at him for telling his story well. And there's one moment of that in this movie that actually happens in a terrible scene. Han and Leia are having a conversation Ugh. in the base. <sighs> They're having a conversation in the base. So and bad. It's awful. It's just the, like the worst possible exposition vomit mm. you could possibly have. And there's an edit in there that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in the blockbuster. I know which one you're talking about. Where she takes a breath, like it yeah. cuts on her mid-word. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. I'd never noticed it before. It cuts on her mid-word, and then it goes like it just does like a closer up yeah. of her, and it's like what? Like that's yeah. like that that totally like violates like all the rules of editing right yeah, there. Yeah, it like made me dizzy even though I was sitting down. I was like, what happened? Yeah, well, I, mean, I feel like it's just it was done to go and cover up Carrie Fisher's deficiencies in acting. And, mm. Oh God, I just made fun of, uh, or I just criticized Carrie Fisher, and well, I, know she, I know she's passed away, but right. and, 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 and she's portrayed an icon. Like, don't get me wrong here, but you can tell that she was rusty. 
Yeah. And, and uh, by all the indications, it seems like she's going to do a better job in this movie. Yeah, well, the script, I think, might be a little bit better, a lot yeah. better. Um, mm. For the new one than this. Like, she yeah. doesn't, she's relegated to just, like, they give her garbage to work yeah. with, and it's been like, no, no, Han, it was Snoke who did this. Yeah, it was like, ah, uh, like don't make anyone it ever was, say the word Snoke out loud. It was again. Snoke who seduced him to the dark side. Yeah. Okay. Why? Yeah. Like why? How? Uh, how? When? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, in the middle. Hey, of no, that, don't worry, man. I'll be answering the next movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in the middle of that scene, uh, when they're talking about Kylo Ren because he's Han and Leia's kid, which is stupid, but. Anyway, yeah. um, in the middle of that, they're talking about about Kylo Ren, and um, she says there's still light in him. I know it, yeah. which is Padme's last words mm-hmm. in Episode Three, and I like that. Yeah, um, I'm cool I, with that. Like, I'm I like the rhyming thing. I don't know. I I think that's good storytelling, especially when you're telling this sort of larger story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially when you realize that Leia doesn't know her mom, but she's got her mom in her. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, now, they don't play it right because I didn't realize that until my wife pointed it out to me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, And then, yeah, my last note is something I already said, which is I'm glad Luke isn't back on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's such a frustrating movie. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's not outright shit. No, it's not. But I feel like it's worse than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like a disaster piece, which I don't want in my Star Wars. I don't mm. want any movie to be a disaster piece unless it's the Book of Henry. Um, <laughs> any of Colin Trevorrow's career films? No, I really like Safety Not Guarantee. Okay. I haven't revisited it since, but I I really <laughs> like that movie. Um, but, you know... it. When I want a movie to be an outright failure is when it's got like a crazy premise that sounds like insane. Like yeah. if a movie sounds insane, then I want it to be like this ballet of garbage. Mm-hmm. That happens very rarely. Usually movies are pretty good, yeah. great, or kind of mediocre. Um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of truly, 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 truly bad films this year. Yeah, uh, I've seen a couple. Um, you know, a movie that we both hated Mm-hmm. And is technically not a bad movie till the last ten seconds is the wall. Yeah, the movie's really well made and like really compelling and good. Yeah. And the last ten seconds just l- pisses on it and lights it on fire. Yeah. Um. But like, other than outside of that, granted, it ruins the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. but only because of that one plot point that happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. Not because like it's garbage all the way through, and that's kind of how Star Wars is, or that's kind of how The Force Awakens is. It's not like a outright garbage movie. No, but it's so it's so unambitious yeah. and safe. Yeah, and that to me is worse. Yes, I th- this is, takes me back to the prequels. I know people don't like the prequels for acting reasons or sure. some casting reasons or some dialogue reasons, and I mean, those are a little hard to argue right. with. Um, that being said, that the prequels are so much more ambitious. Yeah. And at the end of the day, George Lucas's Star Wars films, they were, we get, we're getting back to the original conversation we had about this, which is that he took all kinds of things that influenced him that he loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the hero myth stuff, you have Flash Gordon, you have like Ben Hur 
in like you know uh, pod racing and you have uh, you know I can, we can go over like the list of influences all right just take my word for it there's a bunch of outside influences in there and that all blended together to go and make Star Wars Force Awakens is you take Star Wars and you put it in a blender and then you get Star Wars <laughs> yeah but it's like diluted Star Wars like yeah. it it's getting further and further re- removed from anything like that inspired it and now it's just about itself yeah, and the, you know, it, it goes to this conversation that we'll probably have towards the end of the year when it's not quite Oscar season yet, and most of those movies haven't made their way to us. Mm-hmm. I really want to do an episode on Stranger Things. Um, oh yeah, we need to do season that. two, mm-hmm. and we'll save the 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 grand version of this conversation for that. But it's this idea of like inspiration being greater than adaptation. Yeah. Um. Lucas took a lot of his inspiration from Kurosawa and Knights of the Round Table mm-hmm. and um, what's his name? The Hero's Journey guy. Joseph oh, Conrad. Jo- Joseph Campbell. Joseph yeah. Conrad wrote Heart of Darkness. <laughs> um, Joseph Campbell and, and you know, that that theory of, of the Hero's Journey and like took and Greek myth. And Greek, and, and Greek myth and Seven Samurai. Well, Kurosawa, right. Hidden Fortress is a big, a huge one mm-hmm. um, on that. He took all of those things and then made it his own, which is how making art is. Right. Um, the last podcast, Before and After Show, 90% of the things we did on there, I stole from other podcasts because mm-hmm. I liked them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that's like great art is stealing and making your own. Yeah. Bad art is stealing. Yeah. <laughs> um and that's what Star Wars is. Like Star Wars is a like Star Wars is an amalgamation of George Lucas's singular interests. Mm-hmm. And they were a broad variety of them. And they don't have to be a broad variety of them because if you look at Stranger Things, Stranger Things is directly influenced by the same things that JJ yeah. Abrams is directly influenced by. Mm-hmm. But the Duffer Brothers approach to it is Let's tell our own story with this. J.J. Abrams approaches, let me write a Spielberg movie about this. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it feels like he doesn't get, (laughs) (laughs) like, he doesn't get it, man. Like, he knows how to aesthetically appropriate Mm -hmm. stuff very well. But he doesn't understand the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he understands how to actually tell stories once once he's appropriated it. Yeah, it's like he's like a kid who has the action figures, and then he's just like, Blah! he just has them like clash against each other, and that's it. Yeah, but like it's cool. Like you got these cool figures, but you got to tell a story with them now, man. Yeah, like and he can't just be like, well, all right, I'm done playing with them, brother. You figure out <laughs> somebody yeah. what the, what, like what the actual <laughs> reason why they were fighting was. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's funny. That to me is the biggest failing of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get back to at the end of the day, what was this movie about? You know, uh, a New Hope. You go look at it. I'm not sure if you can really say there's a theme beyond like, like, I don't know, heroism or sure. you know, like, like. Well, I think there is like a call to adventure. Like, go and like find like something in yourself that's greater, mm-hmm. and go and do something. Um. You know, I think by like Return of the Jedi, there's a, there's a really fleshed out theme of you know like believe believe in like the best in people and maybe you can go and save others with love. 
Sure. You know, like yeah, like because yeah. Luke in the end throws down his lightsaber and he chooses not to fight anymore, mm-hmm. which I think is really powerful. And I mean, we didn't talk a lot about the previous movies, but that to me, like, that stuck with me as a kid. Like right. I was like, at first I was like, why doesn't he fight the Emperor? That's lame. But then I like the idea that I mean, it's very Christ-like, you know, yeah. that you like that you go and basically lay down your life um, to go and fight evil. So and also so that others may live. Right. So that others may live. And there's redemptive power in that, mm-hmm. you know, because Vader turns from that. Right. Um, you know, the prequels are about the fall of democracy and the corruption of a good man. Now, whether or not you think they did, they did it well, I can say that. Like, yeah. I can at least state what the theme is. Yeah. What is the Force Awakens about? Family? Um, uh, e- 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 <laughs> maybe? Like, because like, of raised loneliness? But, okay, you can. that's a word, right? Mm-hmm. I remember, like, back in, like, high school good enough for the fast and furious yeah yeah, true (laughs) fam less family and coronas (laughs) (laughs) um to me like i go back to like one of my english literature classes and someone told me that like a theme one of my teachers told me like a theme is not just like a word Mm. it's like actually a statement like a a full sentence Mm -hmm. like you know love conquers all i mean that's cliche but at least it's like stating something not just love you know and not just family what what about family Right. I mean, that's the uh, that's the the Big Lebowski quote, right? Mm-hmm. Of say what you will about anarchist dude, but at least it's an ethos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to me, I don't think that the movie's about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you might say family, but then it's like, well, but what about it? Right. Like, I'm not sure. Like, you need it or you don't? <laughs> right. I, I, question mark. Find out in episode eight. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, there's like there's a really good moment between Finn and Ray on Starkiller base when like they find each other and they like yeah. hug. Yeah. That's like the best acting from either one of them across the, the whole movie. <laughs> actually, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think actually Daisy really gets better throughout the movie. She does. She's actually pretty bad in the beginning. Like beyond like the opening little scene of mm-hmm. her, she's overacting for like a lot of scenes on Millennium Falcon, yeah. but then she kind of comes into her own acting wise. Yeah. And I think they actually filmed most of these scenes in order like that. So it's not just like me just shouting crap, but right. I think it's actually, she got better. Right. She she reminds me a lot of um Gal Gadot. Yeah. Um just she's got like a she's real good at face acting, which people can say is overacting, mm-hmm. but like we talked about on the Justice League episode, like acting is more than just saying the words on the page. And like even in the crappy middle section when she's on the planet with Maz Kanata mm-hmm. and she's running away, she's like really good. Yeah. in those scenes like when she's like talking to bb8 and like getting mm. teary and stuff like that like th- she does good work in it so yeah. she like i don't know she's good she's mm-hmm. good in it yeah um but sorry get, get back to your point like them meeting up and oh yeah like so there, yeah. there's that really good scene and i think that's the closest to movie come the movie comes to articulating re- something articulating a theme yeah of just like oh yeah she needs a family she was lonely and needs a family and so the mm-hmm. the theme there is like you can think you can you 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 may think you can do it by yourself for a certain amount of time, but ultimately you can't. Yeah. Um, and it's not really there the whole time. No, and, but and, and, there and are like, glimpses of that. And the problem is, is that I feel like if you want to go and put the the button on that, mm-hmm. you go and have like Luke and Ray say something at the end of this movie, and like be like, yeah. you know, you found your family. Yeah. You know what I mean. And then it's like, okay, they've like stated the thesis, which is that she needs to move on past whatever old family she has and be with Luke. Right. The problem with that is, is that they don't do that. They right. go and punt it. 
And now, based off what I'm reading from what Ryan Johnson's saying, Luke goes and rejects her in the next movie for at least a while. Yeah. Or whatever. We'll see. But, yeah. yeah. But to me, it's like, well, then that makes it even worse now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like, it, like they failed to go and deliver it, and now you're never going to get it until next movie, maybe, question mark. Right. So, so a, a couple things that I couldn't, like are just kind of scraps. Um, One, it is poopy garbage that they brought all three of them back and they don't have a scene together. Yeah. I will go and say, um, you know, I've criticized some things of being rehashes or, and I will say that sometimes some movies are too fan service-y. Fan service is this thing where, you know, you go and please people by giving them exactly what they want and the combination that they wanted in. Uh, That's the best way I can put it. That's like a major whiff. Yeah. Like it's like it's like that's such a softball. Like have <laughs> have the three main characters that you love interact with each other one more time. Yeah, and they don't do that. Yeah, that's like terrible, man. Like, yeah. and now we're never gonna get it. Yeah, because Han Solo is dead. Yeah, and now Carrie Fisher's pe- in real oh, life yeah, yeah, has yeah, passed yeah. away. Yeah. On top of that, so now now we've been completely deprived of that. Yeah, and that sucks. Like, yeah. how do we not get that moment? Yeah, yeah, and like, and it makes sense or it'd be acceptable if. Like they had a really good story to tell, but the reason why they, but the reason why they're not together in this is just because well the Jedi got destroyed and Luke's off sulking. That's mm-hmm. not a good story, man. <laughs> like that's not like a good reason for them not to see each other. Luke's a sad boy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, that's like a total betrayal of his character, in my opinion. But we'll see yeah, how the I last agree. Jedi goes and yeah. deals with that. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like I just feel like this movie should have taken place closer to the end of six. And yeah, been different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like there are some things in this movie that I'm not opposed to in theory. Mm-hmm. If some of them would have just happened in like the second movie mm-hmm. or something like that of a hypothetical trilogy, right? Like I, I, I've been pitching this idea to people. Um, generally, I don't like going and talking about like well, this is what they should have done, kind of stuff, uh-huh. because like I think that's really fan fictiony and yeah, lame. Yeah, yeah. I think that the movie should have been like Luke has a Jedi order. You maybe have Han and Leia's son be part of it, fine. But he is feeling tempted by the dark side. Yeah. You know, and he's struggling with that. You have Han and Leia together. You have Han as like a board general in the Republic fleet or whatever. And you have maybe even like the same like desert girl who like maybe gets wind of a plot to go and like attack the Republic. So she somehow runs into Han, and then Han like uses that like as a moment to like snap out of like being bored with all those duties, and he goes on an adventure to go and like warn Leia of this impending attack mm-hmm. by this terrorist faction that like wants to go and wreak havoc across the galaxy, yeah. and then and then like adventures go and unfurl from there, right. and maybe you even have like you know Kylo pulling a Judas and betraying Luke and like destroying a Jedi, and you have part of the Republic get attacked still. But it's like you get to know these characters and where they're at, and you understand that they had like a victory and some growth before you go and rip it all away from them. Right. And then you can get into, you know, because Harrison Ford is in his well into his 70s, he's almost yeah. 80 now. Um, you can have this like almost Wrath of Khan theme of mm-hmm. like, there's still some fight left in this dog. You know? Right. Yeah, We're, exactly. And, like, and, they just do nothing with him, right? Like they, right. I mean, they like does like a half-hearted attempt to do that, but also not really. And I'm actually glad you brought Wrath of Khan because I think 
one of the problems too with this trilogy is they're focused on the new people Mm -hmm. and i get it why they're doing that but i also don't like the implication it's like well you're you're an old person so you have nothing to contribute anymore right like you you get shuffled off by like and wrath of khan doesn't do that that i'm hoping yeah at least with leia yeah i'm hoping that that's the case with eight um but wrath of khan you know they didn't treat their uh 40 and 50 year old cast members that way it's like hey people who are older still have things to contribute they have wisdom uh, and they have leadership and they've learned things and they're not dead yet yeah like so i don't i don't really like that mentality Mm -hmm. uh and unfortunately they applied it to these movies yeah it's true i i don't remember what the second thing i was gonna nitpick on was but yeah man do you have anything else to say about this movie uh I mean, we can get into the cinematography a little bit about oh, how yeah. it just looks crappy. Yeah. Like, uh, outside of Jakku, Jakku looks pretty decent for the most part. Yeah, that great yeah. shot, the Star Destroyer and all that stuff. But then the movie starts getting into, like, a lot of, a lot of close-up, like, TV, like, TV, television show kind of style shots where it's just, mm. like, people's heads. <laughs> like, just heads talking yeah. all the time. Like, Starkiller Base is really bad at that where you get, like, no sense of scale of how big this yeah. place is. Like, the inside of the base, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, I think I heard them say that they basically built, like, one set and they just kind of, like, flipped the camera in different directions. Oh, no. And they're, like, bragging about how, like, yeah, we were able to, like, go and use, like, one set and make it feel like a bunch of different sets. And I'm like, not really. Like, I didn't. That's crazy. I, I, on that Facebook thing I watched with uh, Ryan Johnson, he said they built 125 sets for this movie. Yeah. This movie didn't feel like that. No. At all. Um, So, it, it just becomes very bland looking the lighting is garbage like this is like like everyone's just like flatly lit mm-hmm. and i think that already in the last jedi you can see like the lighting's a lot better oh, rogue one they shot better. the hell out of that movie which yeah. we'll talk about later yeah um and so to me that's like a big waste like one of the great things about star wars is how like you know all this iconography yeah. and, and great shots and like and things that stick with you and you know past like the the star destroyer and the sand i can't think of much that like really sticks with me as an enduring image from that movie there's that vulture like headbutting the scrap oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's that thing is so weird that is weird okay that's kind of neat yeah um but once again that happens on jakku yeah yeah i i feel like a lot of like the creative energy of that movie gets spent up in the first like 30 minutes yeah and then it's just doing like this plays star wars best riff so you know our best tracks um so yeah, I mean that's my take on it. I mean you probably the audience by now is probably sick of us ripping on this. But. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if you made it to the end of this episode, you're uh, probably not a very good person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> it just it's such a frustrating movie because, like I said, it's not like I it's not like it's a disaster piece, but that's why I hate it. Yeah. Um, it is my least favorite of the Star Wars movies. This last viewing really solidified that for me. You know, there was a period, I think when I saw it the third time, where I was thinking, okay, you know, it's actually better than I thought it was. That's what I thought the second time I saw it. Um, and then this most recent time I was like, nah, it's damn near the bottom, yeah. if not the bottom for yeah. me. I know, I know people are going to go say, but Phantom Menace <sighs> or Attack of the Clones, but sorry. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. One of them is fine. One of them is great. I, I will go and take <laughs> I will go and take an ambitious but flawed movie yeah. over this safe derivative gar <laughs> mediocre movie. Mediocre yeah. movie. Yeah, man. Um yeah, we'll be back next week in a bonus episode to talk about uh Rogue One, the prequels, uh and probably Red Letter Media. 
I've got a chip on my shoulder. About <laughs> um, and then the week after that, we'll be back to talk about episode eight. So you're getting three weeks of Star Wars content from us. And then I believe it'll be Christmas time. So we're going to be taking that week off mm-hmm. uh, because we usually record on Mondays and Christmas falls on a Monday. And um, yeah. So in the meantime, if you don't hate me and everything I stand for <laughs> now, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find my writing... Um, at wordofthenerd.com and i'm just now like as we finish recording getting ready to write a piece that i'm really excited about and you should be able to read by the time you hear this episode um about the the news that broke right before we started recording uh which is not the news some of you are probably thinking of which is uh disney is probably more than likely acquiring fox now yeah but there's news that's actually interesting and worth talking about, which is um, Quentin Tarantino had an idea. It's you got to be careful with the wording of it because it's really easy to jump to the clickbaity idea that Quentin Tarantino is making a Star Trek movie. Quentin Tarantino is not making a Star Trek movie. Quentin Tarantino had an idea for a Star Trek movie, told J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams said, let's make it happen. And now they're putting together a writer's room to see if they can get this off the ground. I feel like they can. And I'm weirdly excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to write uh, a piece for the site that's that's sort of an article talking about the news, but more of an editorial about why I'm excited for that. And I'm really, I don't know, I think it's going to be cool. I think I'm really looking forward to writing this piece. So you should go check that out at wordofthenerd.com. Um, I do still write for KeithLovesMovies.com. It's just been a dry season in my neck of the woods. Uh, we only had one major release this last week, three billboards. And I think this upcoming week, we're probably only getting the disaster artist because nobody wants to release in smaller markets right now because Star Wars is about to eat up all the box office for a solid two or three weeks. Yep. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, I, I haven't been doing as much writing over there, but I do still consider myself a part of the team uh, at that site. And, and if I may go and put yeah. in a plug, you can also read my writing at. <laughs> um, no, you could. Oh, read, well, you can read the book. Mike that wrote, I wrote a book. I wrote a book, um, and you can go and find it on Amazon. It's called The Aurora War, and you can tell me about whether or not you think I can go and write a story and yeah. give world building and structure things appropriately. Mike, unlike myself, put his put his money where his mouth is and actually tried to attempt making a story uh i just like to tell you whether or not your story is good or bad yeah so uh i put myself out there and feel free to go and criticize but if you do criticize don't go and rate it on amazon (laughs) no i'm I'm kidding but um it's it's getting good feedback and um i appreciate everyone who's bought it so far and uh you know if you find what i have to say here interesting give it a shot i think you might be pleasantly surprised also start a petition for an audiobook (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about it i mean i want to but it's just it's 500 something pages so that's fine yeah it's a lot of work <laughs> um yeah uh do you want to plug your twitter <laughs> no okay uh see if you can find mike on twitter it's a mystery it's the, that's the mystery box of real perspective <laughs> why, why did he make it i don't know find out next episode <laughs> or never yeah um yeah that'll do it we'll be back uh next week to talk about rogue one until then we're the bad guys we're the dark side booyah